yeah, that's what I do. I just help people to understand that we're all psychic. It's not something that some people are born with and others aren't. We're all, we've all got intuition. Welcome to Supernormalize, the podcast where we challenge the conventional, break boundaries and normalize the seemingly supernatural. Join me, CJ, as we explore less uncharted realms of existence and unravel the mysteries of life experience. My treasured listeners, if you have a life story or healing modality or unique knowledge that you'd love to share, reach out to me at supernormalized, that's supernormalized with a Z, at proton.me. Let's together embrace acceptance of the supernatural and unusual as what it really is, completely normal. Today on Supernormalized, I have the pleasure of interviewing Anne Teayato, an internationally renowned psychic medium, award-winning writer, tutor, voice artist, and host of the popular Psychic Matters podcast. With a focus on investigating psychic development, mediumship techniques, and paranormal science, Anne's show offers a wealth of knowledge and wisdom from experts across the globe. Having trained at some of the best psychic institutions and with esteemed tutors and modern-day paranormal pioneers, she is a respected tutor at leading institutions and holds a certificate from the Spiritualist National Union, CSNU, and is dedicated to assisting individuals with psychic and mediumistic abilities who may be facing challenges in understanding and embracing their gifts, and she aims to empower them confidently to explore and develop their spiritual abilities, providing expert guidance and support along their unique paths. So today I'm interviewing Anne about the psychic birthright that we all have. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Supernormalized, Anne Tayato. Now, Anne, you're um, a psychic development person. Well, that's like the simplest way of put it, but I'd actually say that you're out to help people discover their psychic birthright. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct, CJ. It's great to be here. Thank you very much for having me on your show as well. Yeah, that's what I do. I just help people to understand that we're all psychic. It's not something that some people are born with and others aren't. We're all, we've all got intuition. That's all psychic is. And how to I teach people how to use that to the best of their ability. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. And so when did you discover for yourself that you were psychic and how was that for you? Yeah. Well, as a child, I i mean, I didn't really think about it, to be fair, until I got to my teens. And then I realized I knew things that perhaps other people didn't know. And I could see things that perhaps other people couldn't see. So an example, I would know what the football score would be. I would know which one of my brothers would score the next um oh, i don't even know if that's the right phrase but they were playing snooker and i'd know which 
one would hit the ball in the little pocket and I would know which ball would go into and I'd know which pocket it would go in. And I just kept it all to myself because I just thought, oh, that's interesting. I just knew that. Um, Then I started to know who I would meet on the way to school. So when I was walking to school, I would just have this precognition. Oh, I'm going to meet so-and-so. And I would meet them on the way. And then it sort of, so that was the psychic that started to come around. And then the mediumship, which is when I started to see spirit people, sort of came around about the same time. And I remember walking home from town, I was 16, and I had um, a very innocent little boyfriend on my arm. And we were just walking home from the shops. And I said to him, can you see the two ladies at the bus stop? They're there every week. And he said, what two ladies? And I couldn't believe that he couldn't see what I was seeing. And I said, they're as clear as day. One sitting with her shopping bag and one is tall and skinny next to her. They're just there right in front of us. Nope couldn't see them and I realized as I got nearer to the bus stop that actually they weren't there but I could see them in my mind still as I walked past them but he couldn't see a thing and that was the first time I really thought wow I thought everybody could see what I could see Mm. how were your parents with this personal discovery did you share it to them I didn't share much with my parents because I came from very strict Roman Catholic family. And also I had four brothers and the house was very noisy and you didn't really get a look in with parents. They were just stressed. They just like, get out of the way (laughs) unless you're (laughs) laying the table or doing something useful. (laughs) So sharing as we do share now, I share with my children, you know, spend a lot of time talking to them and spending time with them, listening to them and understanding them. That kind of wasn't part of my generational upbringing, I suppose. Mm. Um, And I kind of knew better than to say anything to my mum because it would have just been dismissed and I would have been told not to be. My mother's Irish, so she would have said, don't be a ninja just for God's sakes. (laughs) So, um, you know, and I was always being told not to be a ninja and um i would often go into a sort of semi-trance i still do i just stare into space and she would always be waving her hand in front of my face where have you gone where have you gone come back here you and i don't know it was just all always part of who i was and interestingly my mother refused in later years to allow me to speak about it she knew i read tarot she knew i um I was moving more into this work. She knew I was teaching, but she gave me strict instructions. I do not want to speak about it. Do not tell me anything about it. Um, I don't want to hear it. You're just an idiot and stop it now. And she was 89 years old before she finally asked me who I was and what I did. Wow. So yeah, don't give yeah. up hope, people. There's hope. <laughs> it, it, it might have been extremely disconcerting for her and her world to actually think that her daughter was doing all these things because in yeah. the, the strict Catholic sort of upbringing, for her even, it might have been seen as, you know, what, what um, Christians shun as prophecy, which is uh, seen as yes. naughty stuff. Yes, that's right. And and there's a respect that we have for other people as well. You know, you yeah. have to have an ethic as a psychic. You don't go pushing it into people's faces if they don't want to hear about it. You that's just it. quietly go about your business. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you were reading tarot cards from what age? 
I got my first pack when I was 17 years old. I went into town and bought them from a shop. I didn't particularly like them when I got them home. I hadn't somehow chosen the best pack, I suppose. I think it was the Tarot of the Golden Dawn or something like that. Oh, okay. And it was just a bit, it was just, it, it wasn't very picturesque. And it, I found it a little difficult to read. However, I found them extremely accurate and I mm. had to sleep with them outside my bedroom because I was frightened of them at the time. <laughs> I, I realize now it's just a piece of cardboard with a photograph on it and the power is within us. There's no power in those cards. There's nothing to do with the cards. It could be, you could read anything at all. You know, you could read the back of your hand. And in fact, I have got my students to do that in my classes. You can just read anything psychically. You don't need a tarot card to do it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was 17 when I first got them. And then I swapped that pack with a friend who had a much nicer pack. And um, and I've had that pack ever since. So that's quite some years. Yeah, right. So I, I, I agree with that idea that um, it depends on your openness as how um, things are presented to you. So divination can be in any form. So yeah, that's 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 rings true for me as well from my experience. So you're growing up, you've developed these abilities, and you're starting to go out into the world with your uh, understanding, which is quite wide ranging. Um, how, how did you actually develop into starting to teach and lecture around these understandings? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. So I just sailed through with my packet of tarot cards reading for friends and family. And um, I mostly read from the manual. You know, you get the manual with your tarot cards and you sort of read that and you get to know so much about them. And then... Probably when I was in my very early 30s, things started to happen around me after the birth of my, well, I've got two children. So it began after the birth of my first child. I suddenly started to see spirit people very strongly all around, spirit animals, spirit people. Now, I was sort of wonder what other people see when they tell me they're seeing spirit people. But for me, I could see shadow people, what I would call shadow people. And I didn't mm. understand what they were at the time. Just shadows that you can catch out of the corner of your eye. Someone's just walked past. And at first you think, ah, I'm going a bit bonkers or Ah, that's in the periphery of my glasses. You know, it's something's yeah, just moved just in the glass. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Until I started to see arms and legs and shadows that actually were still there when I started to focus on them. That's wow. when I started to get a little bit. Um, I was never scared, scared, but I was a little bit concerned because I had a small child and I was like, what is this about? And how come I can see this massive shadow man in my house and I can't get past the shadow man because my son's the other side of the shadow man. And it all sort of came to a head one day when I was having a bonfire at the end of the garden. I lived in London. I don't know how I had a bonfire, but I did somehow um, have a bonfire one uh, autumn. And my son was just, um, you know, a handful of yards away in his bedroom he was asleep and I had a friend at the bonfire and she said there's this massive guy with a cloak on that's just gone into the house and I said 
you can see him as well. That's the guy that's been hanging about in my house, this shadow man. So somebody else had seen it too. And that wow. made me think, great, it's not me. It, it, it's a it's, thing. It's a thing, yeah. It's a thing, yeah. So then I got some tuition and I started to go to classes and um, I started – do you want me to tell you how, how shall I tell you? Yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> um, okay. So um, what happened was, because it's quite interesting how it all, the synchronicity of this, of how it happened. I I saw the shadow man, so I thought, oh my goodness, I better go and get some training. But I was a single parent with no money and I couldn't get away from my um, son. Oh, bless him. Couldn't get away from him. But I had no support. I had no family support. I had no family friends or anybody in the neighborhood so there was nothing like I was stuck it wasn't like now where you've got the internet and stuff so somehow I managed to get out one night to the pub god knows how I did it but I did I went to the pub and I was with a friend and some guy came up to me and said to me hi and I thought oh here we go <laughs> I said hello good evening he said I just want to tell you something and I thought right he said you're a medium and you need to go and get some training now, what a weird thing for someone to come up and say to you in a pub. I thought he was going to say, all right, babe, do you want to have a drink? And I thought, oh, God, I'm going to have to suffer this chat for ages. And um, he was so lovely and so nice. And I was taken aback. I said, how on earth do you know that? He said, I'm a medium myself. I'm, I remember he said to me, I'm the seventh son of a seventh son. And you are immediate and you need to go and see somebody. He said, the person you need to train with is a man called Tony Stockwell. Do you know who he is? I said, I've never heard of him. Who is he? He said, look him up and go and train with him. And then he just left with his friend. He didn't even sort of hang around or make himself a nuisance. He just left. <laughs> and um, I thought, oh my goodness, it was just so weird. And it was so affirming to me at the time because all this stuff was going on and it was so strange that somebody had come and said that just when I needed them to say it to me. And I often look back at that and I think, did that person, was he a was he an earth angel or did mm. he really exist? Mm. Um, anyway, um, the upshot of it was I looked at the College of Psychic Studies. That's where Tony Stockwell was teaching at the time and doing one-to-one -one, um, private readings. So I thought I'll book a private reading with him. If he tells me I'm a medium, then I'll believe him. Because he, at the time, had all these television programs I discovered afterwards. Um, television programs had books out. And he's, you know, this famous, famous English medium. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, couldn't get an appointment with him because his waiting list was as long as yeah, massive. So there was an open day at the College of Psychic Studies. Bear with me. It's a good story. <laughs> there was yeah. an open day at the College of Psychic Studies. So I went along to the open day. A lady said to me, I'm just closing down the raffle now. You haven't bought any raffle tickets. Do you want any? I said, no, thank you. Bearing in mind, I didn't have any money. So she um, went off and she came back a few minutes later. Are you sure you don't want a raffle ticket? And I felt so embarrassed. I, thought, I said, okay, yes, of course I'll have a raffle ticket. Thinking. God, my pound. I need that pound to put in the laundrette down the road. <laughs> anyway, so I gave her the pound and I got my raffle ticket. And I saw people getting their raffle prizes. The prizes were called. And there were some amazing prizes at the College of Psychic Studies. There were about eight prizes had gone. One was left. My ticket came up. I got my prize. It was a private reading with Tony Stockwell. 
<laughs> How perfect. I saw Tony Stockwell. He told me I was a medium. Actually, I didn't even ask him. I just thought, let me just see how this plays out. And that's what he said. And he actually said to me, I see you here at the college. And I said, well, I don't know how. He said, well, I see you here. He said, I don't know if you how that's going to be, um, but I do definitely see you here in a teaching mm. capacity. And I am now teaching at that College of Psychic Studies. And I'm also an assistant to Tony Stockwell. Wow. <laughs> Hello. What a big story yeah. arc. <laughs> I know. It was massive. Sorry, it was a very long story. But no, 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 that's great. But interesting. It, 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 it rounds out an understanding of, of, of where you've been, how you've been, and how you got there, which is, I think, important to people and helps people to um, ground into your understanding of the being, of, of, of being and, and, and your way in the world. Now, your psychic ability that you use um, and your methods of teaching um, help people to find their own way into their, um, what I was talking about before, which is the psychic birthright. Is there, is there ways that people um, do this with you? I mean, what sort of, what sort of courses do, do you do with that? I mean, I have no idea where to start by asking questions around that. Mm, yeah. When people come to my classes, I would, recommend that people people who are interested in this topic say for instance um you know obviously i've got classes on but any there's loads of teachers out there um but for me if, if somebody comes i would recommend going to a development circle to start with and a development circle is a weekly gathering of like-minded people that will help you understand your psychic your psychic faculty, your innate intuition, and it will also help you develop your mediumship. It will help you understand who you are energetically as a soul being incarnate on this earth. And it will help you know that actually you're not so much learning new things as remembering that which you've forgotten in your earth sleep so mm -hmm. do you find that um the people that are attracted to the courses have had a touch of the spiritual world already or is it uh people that have been encouraged to come along by others everybody who seems to find their way to the classes have had some early experiences that like me, I the ones that I explained that leave you feeling a little bit disconcerted, you're not really sure what that is, you know you're getting certain information, like when I was walking to school and I knew things and I didn't know how I knew it. So people have got these little kind of things that have gone on for them and they're just interested in exploring that. And the trouble is the world is set up to be so derogatory um, about the psychic faculty and science is now catching up, thank goodness, which is really great. And there's now a platform much more so now, even than when I started, uh, for people to discuss this topic and for people to actually look into the science of it. And that's where I come from, really, looking at the, the science of it and the evidence of it rather than black cats and cauldrons and ooh, spooky, spooky. It's not like that. It's actually <laughs> really helpful to use your sense of 
your psychic sense. If you're networking, for instance, which is horrible and hateful, I hate networking. <laughs> but if you have to and you go to a meeting and there's loads of people and you think, oh, who do I go to first? If you're using your psychic faculty, you can just look across the room and you can breathe and think, oh, I'm actually drawn in this direction. And that person over there is the person I need to speak to right at this moment. And you'll be right. You'll be absolutely right. You can you can shortcut things very quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, the psychic fact that the sense of ambience in a space is really important as well uh, to pick up the energy. Everybody's got it. Yet, you know, I mean, you must know yourself if you walk into a room and there's been... Um, People in there laughing, you walk into this space and it feels joyful and uplifted and amazing. Whereas if you walk into a space where two people have literally just ripped each other's throats out and you walk into that space, you can feel that tension in the air. And that's mm. just the ambience, that's the feeling, that's all of your sight, sound, feeling, senses on the alert. Uh, and you're picking that up because those two emotions are so extreme it's easy to pick up the extreme the argument it's easy to pick up the extreme joy um but what you do as a psychic is you fine tune and fine tune so you're picking up finer and finer and finer feeling and knowing about the ambience of a space or a place or a person or a thing it 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 reads like it's a uh, an exercise or a fine tuning of um, muscle of sorts that um, you know um, once it's been pushed and stretched in other directions and other dimensions maybe um, becomes more fine tuned. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And the more that you do it, the more that you use that faculty, the you're right. The stronger it becomes, and almost. The, the subtler it becomes. It becomes so, so subtle. It's barely there. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's really, I find it absolutely fascinating and exciting. It's my passion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about psychic impressions um, at the moment, but I was going to ask you around mediumship. Can people that have never seen a spirit or had a contact with any um, ghosts or entities also become mediums? Is that something that's possible? I think, yes, the answer to that is yes. Um, I cannot comprehend if we are all soul beings, why we wouldn't be able to speak to another soul being, whether that mm. being is incarnate here on the planet Earth or discarnate in another realm. We can all speak the language of the soul, so therefore we are all mediumistic to a certain extent. But it will depend on innate ability. I mean, you've got people like, have you heard of Tyler Henry, the Hollywood medium? No. He's on Netflix. He's absolutely incredible, young, young man oh, with the most immense talent. Yeah. Um He's got this kind of innate, inborn, ready-made, amazing ability. And some people are born like that. Some people are, you know, born fabulous runners. Other people have to really train to be a fabulous runner. Or, mm, mm. you know, we've got we we can train ourselves, of course, uh, to to be better and better and better. And that goes for mediumship as well. Yes. Mm, mm. So anybody 
can do it, but everybody has got their own innate talent as well. So not everyone's going to reach the same standard. But to be fair, CJ, if you apply yourself and you focus and you dedicate yourself to a task, you can't help but become very good at that which you focus on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you've made the point there before uh, about how really we're just revealing an innate ability we all have anyway. And um, I firmly believe that myself, that we're actually born almost um, uh, infinitely a, a bit with infinite abilities when we arrive here and, and those abilities get shut down over time according to social constraints and cultural constraints. And um, yeah, maybe even just us wanting to fit in. So um, it's good that um, that these things are actually um, being more uh, revealed yet again over time um, for us. And I'm, I'm certain there's a lot of our people out there that would uh, really appreciate finding that for themselves as well. I've got to ask you though, what is sitting in that in that power? What does sitting in the power mean to you? Mm, good question. There are sitting in the power um, when you work as a medium you're using your energy to connect with the energy of those in spirit world and in order to do that you have to attune to their vibration so you have to get to know your own energy your own power that is what powers your mediumship Sitting in the power means sitting in your the the essence, sitting with the essence of your own soul self, sitting with the power of your own energy so that you can get to know yourself, get to know who you are, what it feels like. Yeah. Um, you know, outside of the human being. It's about putting the conscious mind totally to one side and being very, very present in the power of who you truly are. If you can do that, and then you turn your awareness to the spirit world, the spirit world are doing the same. They're tuning, uh, they're lowering their vibration to meet and attune with ours. And thus, when you've got this beautiful alignment of energies, then communication can very easily and clearly take place when you're both attuned. Like turning in a, <clears throat> excuse me, turning in a radio dial. You know, if you're slightly off that radio, the old-fashioned radio dial. Yeah. Um, you're not going to quite hear yeah. the words, are you? Mm-hmm. And if you think of the spirit world like uh, a broadcasting radio station, it's there all the time, but we don't hear it unless we turn it on. If you That's turn right. it on and tune in, you'll it, it's there all the time. Mm, so, so it's a frequency thing. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. So sitting in the power is actually opening yourself to that frequency that um, enables contact. That's right. And when you sit in the power and we do what we call work in the power, so you're there, you're attuned to your spirit person and you're working in the power. If you suddenly drop the power and go into your conscious mind and think, oh, goodness, I wonder why I said that or that doesn't make sense or you're using your brain, your conscious mind, you've dropped out of the power completely and now you've got this kind of like a car kangarooing up the road on a cold winter's morning you're stopping and starting and stopping and starting instead of being in the power working in the power staying there keeping that spirit communicator very very close to you 
Mm-hmm. I've, I've um, myself had a way of sitting in the power through um, a form of meditation that I do. And uh, one of the times I was doing it, I was sitting in, I decided this time I was going to meditate in a chair and I sat down and got into a sort of uh, open sort of space. And um, as I sunk down into it, this um, voice popped in and it was a well, actually like an English woman's voice. And she said, directly and clearly to me she said we're the people from the other side of the room and then she just left and i thought well that's very interesting <laughs> oh how beautiful <laughs> yeah yeah so sometimes i get messages like that and i've had other ones yeah. as well but um it's 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 fun it's fun to actually have connections with the spirits um yeah. and uh when they're when they're good guys at least but um yeah for sure beautiful so uh what is a demonstration of mediumship to you a demonstration of mediumship is a, we we call it standing on the platform. So you stand on a, a roster in front of a congregation of people. Oh, okay. And, and you demonstrate mediumship. So you give an example of what mediumship is. Usually in a demonstration of mediumship, you, <clears throat> let's say it was, you might work for an hour yeah. You give what we call seven-minute links. So you link with a spirit communicator. That's your link. And you might work with them for about seven minutes. And you work with your recipient. And you pass information from the spirit communicator to the recipient. We work for about seven minutes just so that we can get through quite a few people. And so many as many people as possible can get a message in that time. Yeah, but, right. um yeah, it's about seven minutes. And um, yeah, that's what a demonstration is. You're demonstrating mediumship to people. It's a very small and brief time to connect with your loved ones. It's perhaps demonstrating what you might receive if you had a one-to-one reading with a medium. Mm, um, mm. But it just demonstrates uh, that life continues and this physical life is not all there is, that we continue to exist and you can't die for the life of you. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I personally have grasped, grasped the fact that we're actually infinite from a very early age. So, um, yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, all the spirit contact I've had just has, has nailed that even down even more to make it uh, more obvious. Say more about that, CJ. You said you, you, you've known that since a young age. Oh, okay. So uh, from a young age, um, I found for myself that the world is spiritual. And what I mean by that is I, I, I did describe in an earlier podcast that I did that um, I one day was um, at the age, of, I think, four or five, because this is the 70s and um, we were allowed to be a bit more free range. So I walked across the road into the forest, which is um, uh, directly across from where we lived. It was a dirt road. So, you know, not much traffic. It was pretty quiet. So I think my mother was sitting on the balcony was watching me um, and uh, went and sat in the forest and for all the understanding that I had of the experience was I went in there and sat down with some spirits and I think they were the good people uh, and they taught me how to meditate. And um, for me, that was normal. And I didn't know that was not normal, but I, I had no way of expressing that really clearly to my mother at the time. I just said friends in the forest and I've got friends in the forest. She's like, yeah, you've got friends in the forest. Um, yeah. And <laughs> for me, that was normal. Oh, that's and beautiful. I, yeah, well, I, w- I would see spirits in the house, um, and to me that was normal too. No, none of them were really scary. They were all just around. 
Mm. Um, and then as I got a little older, I found um, uh, when we moved to another house that had a creek through the through the yard, um, there was a lot more spirits around there. And um, some of them weren't so friendly. They were a bit weird. But um, to me, that was all normal. And I always try to explain that to my friends. And um, it wasn't really fully accepted. But for me, it was like, oh, this, this is what really normal is. So I'm, I'm just going to keep quiet about it and try to be try to be like a normal person. But um, I know deep down for myself that this connection is infinite and our lives are infinite. And to me, that's, that's what is, what, what, what else could be? Yeah. Beautiful. Mm, mm, mm. So as a part of your work as well, you actually help people to discover the ability of scrying. Can you explain scrying for people that have no experience of it? Yes, of course. Scrying is looking at um, an object with a point of focus, I suppose. Um, say, for instance, I have a glass of water right here. In fact, I might have a sip because I've got a croaky voice. Do you excuse okay. me? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And um, so if I was going to scry with this glass of water, I would stare into the surface of it and wait and pause. And even as I'm doing that, I can feel my my psychic mind coming in almost as if I step backwards I go into a very slightly altered state and I'm looking into that glass of water and I'm waiting for pictures to form and those pictures will inform me of what is going on for my recipient or um, for myself um, and it takes a, a little time and it takes a lot of trust but you have to just almost blur your eyes and allow shapes to begin to form in the glass. And you do literally have to blur your eyes and just wait and wait. And then what I will, would also do after a while, once I begin to see the pictures, is um, move in as if I'm in the glass myself and those pictures are all around me so that I can see them in three dimensions and work out their significance and what they are uh, and offer that as my guidance or um, insight into what's going on for my recipient. Brilliant. That's classic water divination, which is, um, I think, recorded all the way back to the Egyptians and I would, I would even say goes way further back than that. I'd say um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that also did turn into um, black mirror work over, over history as well, where people yes. would sit in a darkened room and um, put a black mirror, which was usually concave, so they'd lay it flat on the table or put it in front of them, and then put a candle behind them and then stare into the black mirror um, in a darkened room in complete silence until they started getting messages. And the messages were yeah. images, ideas, impressions, smells, feelings, everything. So... Yeah, I can see how you how you work with scrying there. There's, do you ever do any other scrying work, like say with um, um, with objects as well? Like um, somebody hands you an object and you feel into the vibration of that object and and get, gain information that way. Yeah. So <clears throat> if you're going to scry an object, I'm actually holding a pencil now. <laughs> yeah. Picked it up off my table. Um, <laughs> I could look at that and I could stare into that the same way I've just stared into the glass. 
and pick up information from shapes or feelings that I get with my spirit eyes, that which I see. That is still scrying this object. If I was going to psychometrize this object, I would. This would would be where I read the energy of an object that's given to you, and it ah. contains a history of all the things that have happened within, around, and to that object in its lifetime. Mm. So, say for instance, if somebody else, not me, but somebody else, picked up this pencil, they might be able to hold it, and they might be able to pick up information such as um uh I, I see horses i can see horses because i often sketch horses it's my thing i just i'm passionate about horses i'm not very good at drawing them but i do sketch them <laughs> and um so they might pick up something like that or they might pick up um psychic work because that's what i do i sit on my desk all day doing my psychic one-to-one readings or my mm, classes or my mm. courses or i'm planning or i'm working so they might pick up information like that from this pencil they might pick up things that are going on for me at this particular time yes so somebody might pick up the fact that i feel two children around this i feel a, a hospital uh, a, a hospital x-ray and it that would be correct because I've just written with this pencil the telephone mm. number of an MRI place where my son is going to get an MRI tomorrow. Uh, so, you know, there's things like that that you might be able to psychometrize an object. And, of course, if that object has a history, a really beautiful, rich, interesting history, you can pick that up from uh, an ancient object. Things that have a very big energetic imprint, such as a murder weapon, would hold Ooh. a lot of energy and a lot of um, stuff that would be easy to pick up for somebody to psychometrize. If you picked up a, a a murder weapon of some sort, you could probably pick up a lot from that, um, the happenings around that. Um, yeah, so that's what psychometry is, psychometrizing yeah. Yeah, an right. object. As opposed to scrying. Mm. Yeah, right. I yeah. see. Okay. Um, do you teach that as a part of your courses as well? Yep. Yep. Teach you how to psychometrize something. It's just so exciting because when people get start to get results, because people get instant results, they do get, you know, once, once you start to work with this stuff, it's, it's mm. like magic. It's not magic. Of course it's, it's science. Um, it's energy and that's what it's all about, but um, it does feel magical, I suppose. And people get a lot out of it. Yes. Yeah, so mm. I do teach it. Do you think that the embedded sort of um, stories that get presented to us when we are doing sort of psychometric works or scrying um, are maybe emotionally charged or um, story charged parts of um, the experience that the objects have been through? Could you rephrase that question? I'm not sure I'm understanding it. So, for example, you talked about the... Um, the knife, the murder weapon, for example, um, having a, a, a powerful um, attachment to it actually that would tell its story. Do you find that that's how um, objects actually transmit their stories to you when you're actually working with them? Are they yeah. always very charged events or can they be even the most of ordinary things? Yeah, very ordinary. The, the charged events are much, much easier to pick up 
on because it carries a lot of energy. So those sort of things are very easy. You can pick it up from just looking at a photograph. You don't have to hold the object. I teach psychometry on my online courses, so nobody's actually holding an object. They're looking at a photograph of a person to psychometrize their uh, personality, or they're looking at a photograph of a building to psychometrize what kind of building is this? Who lives there? Who enters this space and why and what does it feel like? What are the smells? What are the sounds in this building? Um, so the the things that are very striking are easy to pick up. Um, if, if you're looking at a building, say, for instance, I was looking at, uh, I got some of my students to look at, um, they didn't know what the picture of this building was. I got them to look at a building. But it turns out it was a picture of Dickens, you know, Charles Dickens, the writer. It was a picture Mm. of his house that he used to live in, Mm -hmm. one of his houses that he lived in in London, which is now the Dickens Museum. Yes. Um, So the students did get that there were writers and people like this going in and out of that house, but they actually found it very difficult to psychometrize. And the reason I gave it to them and the reason they found it difficult was because although they could pick up on the writer and those kind of um, the friends of Dickens that he had at the time, there's so much footfall through that particular building now with Joe Public going in that it has got a completely different energy. So it's not possible to read uh, or psychometrize it fully um, for the for certainly for students of the that I was working with at the time, yeah. Mm, so, so yeah. yeah, so like on magnetic tape, it actually gets overwritten over time with other impressions. Yes, it does, and which is why if you go into an old castle or something like that, you shouldn't stand on the main thoroughfare to try to pick up that which happened in the building. Stand mm. in the corners. Yeah. That's where the energy is. That's where the secrets ah. are. That's where the power is. That's where the magic is. The places where people don't normally go, that will still hold uh information from the past that you can pick up mm, wow okay that's a great tip i mean i've been to a few castles in england i didn't think of that at the time but um yeah that would have been very cool very cool i when i i actually do as a part of my work i'm um, working on um, buildings and and doing things in buildings and i find sometimes when i'm doing things i get impressions of oh they were doing this and i can see pictures of of you know what people were doing at the time and i can understand how things happened when i look at things yeah. and um it just it for me that's that's another method of or another means of um getting impressions of of um events through 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 uh objects as well yeah, yeah. yes mm. yeah absolutely so you also uh write books and uh, teach people in other ways through your podcast. Can you talk about that? Oh, how nice of you. Thank you very much. Yes, I have a podcast called Psychic Matters, and I do solo shows on there just talking about various different aspects of psychic work. I might talk about remote viewing or I might talk about mediumship or psychic faculties. I also interview experts across the globe to get their expert guidance and advice for people. When I first started out, as I've already said at the beginning of our interview, I didn't have any money and I wasn't able to go to any classes and I was desperate for some help and assistance and there wasn't any. So I started my podcast so that people like me 
who are still out there, don't have money, can't get out, can't get away, have got something, they've got some kind of resource where they got access to the best people, the best possible teachers in the world for free. Uh, and that's what my podcast is about. So it's pushing the boundaries of human consciousness to redefine the significance of living. That's what Psychic Matters is all about. So do tune in, everybody, if you like the sound of that. Brilliant, brilliant. And about your books? Yeah, well, I wrote a kid's book called Bertie the Beach Hut, which is based... <laughs> <laughs> it's. Um, I wrote it for somebody else, actually. is a couple of ladies, uh, both called Jane, and they both had a beach hut company. And the, the idea is based on um, something that they gave me to write for them. So it was a television, a children's TV series that I that I wrote, but I wrote the book to accompany the TV series. The TV series is not commissioned as yet, but we live in hopes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so there's that, but there's other books in the pipeline. I'm writing a book at the moment called The Year I Walked With God, and it's ironic because the day that I started it, I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do, you can do these virtual cha uh, virtual challenges online. Yes. And one of my virtual challenge was to walk from John O'Groats in England to Land's End. So it's the length of Great Britain. And I thought, right, I'm going to do that. So I signed up for it and everything. And the very first day I came downstairs with my gear on to go walking to walk with God and listen to God speaking to me. I fell down the stairs and broke my leg. So... <laughs> What? Yes. So um, I uh, wasn't what is able that? to What start. is God trying to tell you there? <laughs> but it's part of the book. Yeah, the year I walked with God or didn't actually walk with him. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So that's quite interesting. That that That's uh, in the pipeline, shall we say. And um, there's some kids' books that I'm writing as well. So uh, we just watch this space with that one. Wow. Right. I just think it's really odd that you broke your leg on the way to walking with God. <laughs> It was maybe so maybe, maybe you were meant to stay still and walk with God, you know. I, mean, I actually was. And it was funny because I had been saying to the spirit world, please, I cannot cope with the pace of my life. Please slow it down, slow it down. So oh, they did. Oh, wow. They did, but I wasn't expecting them yeah, yeah. to do it that way. But, yeah, but luckily it wasn't such a bad break. It was two months off lying on my bed waiting for oh. it to heal itself. And it did heal itself. No operation needed, so it's fine. You did mention there just before that you actually did talk, do talk to people about um, remote viewing. Um, is it possible that a lot of the psychic work that we all do um, and in contact with the spirit world is just another form of remote viewing? Anything's possible, isn't it, CJ? Let's oh. face it. Okay. My truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. And the listeners who are all listening to this, they've all got their own truth and their own way of looking at the world. And no matter which way you slice the pie, nobody actually knows the actual truth. And I don't even know if there is a one truth. I think there's possibly many, many ways of looking at the world. Mm. Um, remote viewing, yes, I suppose you could say it is all remote viewing. Um, my belief is you can use remote viewing with your mediumship in that you can blend with your spirit communicator so closely that you can look through their eyes and out at their world and feel their physical body almost as if it's your physical body. I know that I've worked with people in this way, so I know that um, you can tell whether 
they've had illnesses or um, whether they've got one leg missing or a finger missing. This is what you, um, or I've looked through the eyes of a spirit communicator and remote viewed the scenes that I can see with them, and they've led me through a hospital. Into, I've already mentioned x-rays, but this particular person did lead me into an x-ray department, laid me down and showed me exactly what part of his body was being x-rayed. And I was able to say that to the person. So you could remote view in that way with mediumship. Um, but I'm not sure that it's, uh, no, I, my truth is very different. My, it's not all remote viewing, no. Mm. <laughs> or maybe a form of. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's an. I'd have to think about that one. It's gonna. That's gonna make me really think uh, <laughs> tonight as I lie in bed. Interesting question. Interesting concept. Mm, mm. Yeah, I, I think about things. So, um, I was going to ask you because we're actually getting close to the end of the podcast now. How can people find you? Oh well, that's very very simple. It's anteato.com. A N N. T-H-E-A-T-O dot com. And that's my website. And on there, you will find the podcast. All the podcast episodes are on there. And they've all got their own artwork. And they've all got their own show notes. So you can go and see what episode is what, which episode is which. And see which one tickles your fancy, as they say. Um, I've also got my courses and events on there. So you can see the courses that I've got coming up. I do have a development circle coming up. So if anybody's interested in learning how to use their psychic faculty and their mediumship, please do come along starting in January. And I've been running my development circle for three years. I'm having a very short break at the moment, but I start again in January. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I am teaching remote viewing next year as well, a mentorship program. So if somebody wants to come along and uh, learn that. And I'm also doing a program called The Traveler, which is all about traveling with your conscious mind so we're looking at past life regression future life progression life between lives astral travel things like this so really looking forward to teaching that as well and i do a free for the for people that don't have any money um and would like to see a medium or see a medium work i work every single tuesday for free uh, for one hour between uk time seven to 8 p.m. I'm not sure how that translates to your time, CJ. Where are we now? We're 10 o'clock, so it's three hours ago. What time are you yeah. now? I'm 8 a.m. now. Oh, it will be very early in the morning. Yeah. But if anybody's, <laughs> if anybody wanted to, they're doing a night shift and they wanted to tune in, it's 7 to 8 p.m. And it's a demonstration of mediumship. I do. I do half an hour and then I share the platform with another very well-known medium very well-known medium that's that's not correct um uh, with another very talented medium so yeah. um yeah Brilliant. uh you'd be very welcome to do that so anteato.com is where excellent it's excellent is there any question that you thought i should have asked today that you would like me to oh are questions i haven't been asked um no but something as you were talking made me um I, I was ready to answer in case you asked the question which you didn't so i'll just say what i was going to say there's a friend of mine who who lives up the road from here and they um they had um a brother who wasn't very well and and that brother lived in their house and um 
he was depressed, let's put it that way. And um, unfortunately, the gentleman passed away, the brother passed away through natural causes. And then they let out his studio flat to another person. And that person lived in that studio flat for a while. And then that person attempted to commit suicide and didn't manage. They were saved, thankfully. Mm. And then they let the flat out to another person. And that person also attempted to commit suicide. And um, these people contacted me to say, do you think there's something in the house that's causing this? Why is that happening? And the answer is, my answer was fairly simple. And it was, there's nothing in the house. You don't have to be worried. There's nothing evil or sinister. But I feel that we energetically if we're looking for a house and we're already depressed and we find a place that's got that energy I spoke about, mm. it, it, it complements our own. Even if yes. it's depression, we don't really recognize it as such, but we feel comfortable in that space. So I imagine that's why the first girl moved in. She was comfortable with that atmosphere within that room, within that studio. And then she had her own issues and they came to the fore. And then the next person to move in after that recognized all of this buildup of energy and, and so on and so forth. So I said to my friends, look, before you let the room out again, perfectly safe to do so, but do clear the energy from the space. Clear the room. You clean it from all the dirt and dust, you clean it from clutter, and then you clean the energy of a space. And I think for all of us, yourself, in, myself included, CJ, we should clear the energy of our spaces on a regular basis to clean out the old and let the new fresh energy circulate. I think it's really, really important. Definitely important. Um, we do clearings here at um, our house often. Oh, there's, there's lots of land spirits around. We live on top of a mountain, so um, wow. you know we we honour them as well. We actually um, put out um, milk and honey for them every day because. Um, yeah. It makes them nicer. So <laughs> lovely. That's so nice and respectful. It is. It is. And uh, yeah. So it's been very good talking to you, Anne. And uh, I appreciate all that you've you've shared here. And uh, I'm sure that people will get in contact with you to either work with you or um, uh, maybe attend your classes. Even that would be really good. If I was local in the UK, I'd definitely come over. But that's a bit too far for me to go. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I want to you're thank more you. than welcome. Oh, no, thank you so You're much for your time today. Oh, CJ, thank you. It's been really great. I'm really honored to have been asked to be a guest and it's been really beautiful talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for uh, listening today. This has um, been quite a treat listening to um, Anne as well and interviewing her on her um, understanding of psychic ability and the encouragement of others to step along the path. Um, and if you've enjoyed the talk that we've we've had today, please get in contact with Anne and tell her how much you enjoyed it. I'm, I'm sure she'd appreciate that as well. And and um, I'll provide all of the links to her information in the show notes. So thank you so much for listening. And please, I look forward to you coming and listening again next week.